The Garden of God from Visions by Colson Carnahan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by David Leeson. The Garden of God, a story for children of eight to eighty. It was broad noonday in the garden, and so hot that one could see the air palpitating and quivering above the gravel paths in undulant haze of heat. Even the butterfly gasped for breath, and grumbled because the swaying of the grasses set stirring a warm puff which was like the opening of an oven. The sun seemed so near, and was trying so hard to be hot, that the daisies said they could see him spinning and panting as he stood above them but that i think was only their fancy although it is true that he was shining so exactly overhead that there was not a streak of shadow where one could creep for shelter from the sweltering heat all the flowers were parched and drooping and except for the passing buzz where a bee went drowsily by or buried himself with a contented burr in the heart of a pansy not a sound stirred the sultry silence all at once there was a sudden scurry among the birds a cat which had been basking and purring in the sunshine opening and shutting an eye every now and then to make believe that she was not sleepy had dropped off into a doze and now she awakened yawning this was the signal for a general stir whew but it is hot to be sure exclaimed the butterfly as he darted up for a stretch from the poppy head on which he had been sitting and went waltzing anglewise down the gravelled path of the garden lacing the long green lines of the boxwood with loops of crimson and gold i hope my weight won't inconvenience you he said with airy politeness to the lily dropping himself lazily and without waiting for an answer upon her delicate head which drooped so feebly beneath this new burden that several scented petals fluttered fainting to the ground i am grieved to see you looking so sadly he continued after he had settled himself to his liking but what on earth my good soul makes you lean forward in that uncomfortable attitude there is a charmingly shady spot under the shelter of the wall behind you why don't you lean in that direction as it is you are going out of your way to make yourself uncomfortable besides which i should very much prefer to be out of the heat i should be glad to move into the shade said the lily gently but my sweetheart the rose has fallen asleep by the border and i am leaning over her to keep the sun from her buds how very charming you are lisped the butterfly languidly and in a tone of polite contempt which seemed to imply and what a fool but your ideas are a little crude don't you know he went on though of course interesting it is easy to see you are not a person of the world when you have travelled about and learnt as much as i have you will come to look at such things in a different way yes you have travelled and lived in the world and seen a great deal said the lily but i have loved and it is by loving as well as by living that one learns don't presume to lecture me was the impatient answer fancy a flower finding fault with a butterfly don't you know that i am your superior in the scale of being but tell me does this love of which you speak bring happiness the greatest of all happiness whispered the lily almost to herself and with infinite tenderness her white bells seeming to light up and overflow like human eyes as she spoke to love truly and to be loved is indeed to be favored of heaven all the good things which this world contains are not worthy to be offered in exchange for the love of one faithful heart 
then i must learn to love said the butterfly decisively for happiness has always been my aim tell me how to begin you'll have to begin by unlearning put in a big double dahlia who was standing by like a sentinel and looking as stiff and stuck up as if he had just been appointed flower policeman to the garden don't you be afraid that anyone's going to fall in love with you was the spiteful rejoinder of the butterfly edging himself round and round on a lily-bell as he spoke your place my good creature is in the vegetable garden with the cauliflowers and the artichokes there is something distinguished about a white chrysanthemum and the single dahlias are shapely although they do stare so but the double dahlias and the butterfly affected a pretty shudder of horror which made the double dahlia stiffen on his stem with rage how dare you speak slightingly of my family he said indignantly and as for those big chrysanthemums they're just like tumbled heaps of worsted or that shaggy-eyed sky terrier dog that we see sometimes in the garden untidy shapeless lumpy things i call them the butterfly who had been alternately opening and shutting his wings as if he thought the sight of such splendor was too dazzling to be borne continuously but really because he knew that the sombre tinting which they displayed when closed heightened by contrast their gorgeous coloring when open was nothing if not well bred so he simply pretended to stifle a yawn in the dahlia's face and to make believe that he had not heard what was said after all he said turning his back pointedly upon the dahlia and shutting up his wings with a final snap just as a fine lady closes a fan after all my dear lily i don't know whether it's worth my while to learn to love for by this time next year you and i will be dead and it will be all the same then to us as if we had never loved or even lived at all i know nothing about death replied the lily but no one who loves can doubt immortality and if the rose and i are not already immortal i believe that our love will make us so what is this immortality said the butterfly i have heard the word used a great deal in my wanderings but i never quite knew the meaning of it it is the finding again after death of those we have loved and lost and the loving and living with them forever i think answered his companion i don't believe you know anything about it said the butterfly decisively all the men and women i've met and they ought to know used ever so much longer words perhaps you are right replied the lily quietly bending forward to shield a stray rosebud from the burning sun but to be forever with those i love would be immortality enough for me and i heard the maiden who walks in the garden speaking yesterday and i remember that she said it was more godlike to love one little child purely and unselfishly than to have a heart filled with a thousand vast vague aspirations after things we cannot understand two how strangely still it was in the garden summer had gone and october was nearly over but the day had been so bright and warm that every one said the winter must be a very long way off but since sunset the air had been getting more and more chilly and the stars were glittering like cold steel and the moon looked so bright and large that the flowers which had awakened with an icy pain at their hearts could scarcely believe it was night and not day for every tiny grass-blade and buttercup stood out with startling distinctness on the grass a strange sharp scent was in the air and a singular stillness was abroad 
There was no going in the trees, nor bough swing among the branches, but all stood rigid and motionless, as if intently listening. Perhaps they are listening for the first footfall of the winter, the winter which is coming to kill us, said the lily sadly, bending down as she spoke, to twine herself protectingly around the rose. Perhaps we are dead already, said the rose with a shudder, and are but ghost flowers in a ghostly garden. How cold and wan my petals look in this pallid light! And is this grey place, blanched and silent and still as death, our sweet-scented and sunny garden, that glowed with warm colour and was astir with life? Just then, and before the lily could answer, they heard a sudden cry of pain. It was the butterfly, who had fallen, half-dead with cold, from a sycamore bough, and now lay shelterless and shivering on the frozen path. "'Creep up upon my leaves, dear butterfly,' said the lily tenderly, as she bent towards him, "'and I will try and find a warm place for you near my heart.' "'Oh, I'm so frightened, I'm so frightened,' he sobbed. "'The world is dying. Even now the trees seem still and dead.' soon the stars will fall out of the sky into the garden shall we be left in darkness when the moon is dead already her face is deadly pale although she shines so brightly and what has come to the trees on every bough there sparkle a thousand lights are they stars which have dropped from the sky they are not stars at all said the lily bending over him and hushing him to her heart as a mother hushes a frightened child but diamonds for the frost king's crown i think we shall die to-night are you asleep dear rose the end is coming let us meet it waking and in each other's arms it is coming dear heart and coming soon said the rose with a cry already i can scarcely speak for pain the night grows ever colder and more cold and how strangely bright the moon is what was that streak of silver across the sky a star which has fallen from its place i think it was the shining angel god sends to fetch us answered the lily dear love the end will soon be here already the pain has reached my heart already i begin to die and i too said the rose i sink i faint the sharp pain stings and bites hold me fast darling i scarce can see you now nor i you sweetheart hold me closer closer everything seems to fall away everything but love dearest and where love is all is at least we shall die together icier and more icy grew the air brighter and whiter shone the moonlight on the garden until the sunflower's shadow lay like ebony upon silver along the grass colder and more steely glittered the stars and closer crept the pain to the heart of the dying flowers all the long night through the silent trees stood rigid and motionless but now they listened no longer for winter was come indeed and on every branch the frost crystals glinted and sparkled and when morning dawned the butterfly lay dead forever but the lily and the rose were the fairest flowers abloom in the garden of god end of the garden of god